Well, good morning. Imagine if we just jumped straight into it, all right? Did you do that? Did you imagine that? Okay, well, let's do it. John 6, the Gospel of John, the story about Jesus, written by one of his best friends and a full insider, John. John 6 is John's recording of a sermon from Jesus. It's a sermon that we would all like some show notes for because, frankly, it's a little bit tricky to nail down. But John was there, and he tells us that this was the day that Jesus offended a ton of people and lost many of his crowd. We, well, we like the free food. We, we like the miracles. But this stuff today, this is what we call stranger things, and we're out of here. So here we go. I wonder if this will be the day that I say goodbye to many of you. I hope not, but I am telling you up front that this might be offensive. I hope you'll come back anyway, and I hope you won't find offense. The reason it's offensive is because I want to teach you how to do something that you already, that you think you already know how to do. Now, it needs to be clear up front that I am not trying to get you to do something. I am trying to teach you how to do something. And statistically, most Canadians are not this and do not know how to do this, but it kind of comes up all the time. How lousy is it to be asked to do something all the time, but you never have been really trained or taught how? That's not fair, right? If this was in a workplace scenario, you'd be up in arms. You'd be saying, hey, that's not fair. We should be trained before we're expected to do it. And so that's what we would like to do here. Instead of assuming or expecting, we'd like to train. Now, if you, if you come here, I am going to say you already are way above average. You are not an average Canadian. If you are here right now, you are above average Canadians. So for a mere three weeks, I want to teach you how to be generous. This is not about how to give. All of you know how to give. This is a be versus a do. It's a classic ethics issue, being or doing. I am not trying to get you to do something. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. We want to help you move in your life from survive to thrive. One of the most important skills or or disciplines, or lifestyles that you can learn has to do with money. And I, and I don't want you worrying about your money. So as a church, we want to train you in some life skills that will free you up from worry. We want to teach you how to be generous. Now, I know what you're thinking, because I work the same way. As soon as someone says that you don't do something, you kind of get defensive, right? And you think about that one time that you did it, and you say, so there. Or, or if somebody says that you're not a certain way, you immediately think of that time that you were that way, and you go, huh, there, take that. Now, if no one has ever taught you how to be generous, you might think that you are generous. So I might be offending you. And again, I'll say sorry for that, not just because I'm a good Canadian, but because I, I really mean it. I don't want to offend you. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying, trust me, this is my heart. I'm trying to lead you on a path towards Jesus, in earnest pursuit of Jesus. We are going on a road trip in earnest pursuit of Jesus. This is just one more way that we're doing it. So I'm trying to lead you on this path towards Jesus where you will find increased freedom and faith. 
That's my goal today, and that's my goal every week, to try and take you on that journey. Now, when we talk about generosity, we are not talking about random acts of giving. Most of us are good at random acts of giving. Random acts of giving generally come as a result of somebody persuading us to do something, or maybe asking us to do something, guilting us to do something, or inspiring us to do something. The truth is that most of our random acts of giving are frequently at the end of a little bit of a sales pitch. It's not wrong. We're not upset. But generally, someone makes a need known, and we respond with a random act of giving. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. What we are looking at in this series will not be random acts of giving. And I'm all for random acts of giving. The more random acts of giving, the better. That's just not what we're focusing on right now. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about generosity and how to be generous. Because generosity actually transcends inspiration and guilt. Genuinely generous people are not moved nearly as much by the big inspirational pitch, nor are they ever moved by guilt. Generous people have moved beyond that. All right, so there's just a little bit of the intro. Who's feeling nervous? <laughs> Whenever we talk about money, there's nervousness. It lets you know a little bit about how sensitive we are about this and how significant it is that we learn to manage our feelings regarding money. I understand the nervousness, so I want to make you a promise. When you become generous, you will give more, save more, <clears throat> and consume less. When you are taught, when you, when you learn how to be generous, it's not natural. When you are taught how to order your life around generosity, not being a random acts giver, random acts are excellent and praiseworthy. Don't ever mishear me on this. But when you become generous, you will actually give more. And then here's the surprising part. This is why you have to come back. This is why you kind of come back for the whole thing. This is part one of three, but they're really not parts. They're one thing divided up into three pieces. When the part and you come back, we're going to talk about how you will actually save more and consume less. Then to kick it up a notch even higher, kick it up a notch, boom! Uh, here's the promise that Jesus makes. You will actually be happier. Now, you've never met an unhappy, generous person. Ordering your life around generosity affects every single part of your life, every single part of your finances. This will become a keystone habit that will trickle down into everything. Now, the reason this has to be taught is because generosity is not natural. If you've ever seen a child or if you have your own children, you know this. If you remember ever being a children, you know this. You have to teach our kids, and frankly, we wish our neighbors would teach their kids also how to share. Many things come naturally. Generosity is not one of them. Let's be honest, right? It's not just kids. You're an adult, and you're still resisting generosity every once in a while. There's still something inside us that when it comes to giving away what's ours or giving away what we've worked for, there's still resistance. That stuff sticks to us more than we would always care to admit. 
So be honest about this because generosity, like we're talking about, is not natural. There's no shame in not knowing what this is like. That's why we're going to teach. Now, in Canada and in many other Western countries, it may not be natural, but it has become cultural. We talked about this idea before, so we're not going to work it through all the way, okay? But the reason generosity is popular or, or it's expected or, or it's seen as good, it's a virtue, or it's seen as cultural, is because in any nation in the world where there has been a history of strong Christian influence, you will find in that nation a shadow of Christian values. And one of those Christian values is generosity. Generosity has become a cultural or a Canadian ought. You ought to give. You ought to be generous. It's what you ought to do. It's not natural, but it is cultural. It's part of our culture, but proper implementation needs to be taught. It just can't be learned by implication. You just need to visit some other nations um, or or pay attention to the news, and, and you will see this that it's not a natural inclination. This is highlighted throughout the world right now with this global immigration discussion that's involving the Middle East and Europe recently and still right now. The countries that have a history and a tradition of Christianity, even though they would not consider themselves to be Christian nations, even though the majority of the people in that country would not call themselves Christian, there is still a shadow There is still a vestige of Christian values. Those European nations that have a strong history of Christianity are the nations that are saying, we know we ought to invite and include and aid those refugees. The nations that do not have a strong Christian background are the nations that are saying, why should we take these people? It's not our problem. Generosity is not natural. Generosity can be cultural. And that's why there's a little bit of attention um, surrounding that generosity in our lives. Do you want to know what is natural when it comes to money? Not so. It's natural, okay? Not so is natural. It's natural when it comes to money, especially in our country. Most people in the United States and Canada and North America spend more than they make. We learn to do that, I guess, by watching our government spend money. Spending more than you make. That's nutso. If that wasn't bad enough, most North Americans, Europeans, pay interest on items that as soon as they take possession, the value of the item will decrease, but the price, but the price, since they're paying interest on them, the price increases. These things are just standard practice for many of us. We never stop to think about it because that is just the way everybody does it. So go ahead and you do it too. You talk about some serious peer pressure. It's just implied from every direction. So here's a little visual to help you see a little bit more clearly, okay? This yellow line right here, this is time. And then, well, (laughs) this other yellow line right here, this line is the point of purchase. The moment you purchase something that's going to decrease in value over time and you're going to pay interest on it, whether that is credit card interest or financing interest, here's what happens immediately at the point of purchase. Right away, the cost increases and the value decreases. This is common. This is cultural 
also. But be honest, it's also a little nutso. Here's another way to tie these practices to our feelings, okay? Practices and feelings, facts and feelings do not always travel together. We feel like this, this right here, this is normal. But we feel like this is normal too. We don't feel rich, but we are. We feel generous, but we aren't. The vast majority of the people in the world, that means, let's be modest, let's say there are five and a half billion people in the world who could look at you and look at themselves and then be correct in assessing you as rich. They would look at your life, shake their heads and say, of course you're rich. How can you not see that? Then you would try to explain the financial pressure that you feel. And any of these five and a half billion people would listen to your complaints about your financial pressure, and they would have no understanding of it at all. They would just think that you are nutso. We don't feel rich, but we are. But we do feel generous, but as we're about to discover, we really aren't. <laughs> so, fun times and into one again, right? Was, was there any pot out there that has remained unstirred yet? Let's stir it up right now. Before we go on, we need to define some terms, okay? What do I mean when I say generous? Because we may be not thinking the same things. So if generosity isn't just random acts of giving, if generosity isn't just the moment where I transfer what is mine to someone else, what do we mean by generosity? So here's a couple of generosity myths. Myth number one, generosity is spontaneous. I went somewhere and they are raising money for something. Boom, I dig deep into my pocket and whatever combination of bills, change and pocket lint is in my pocket, I hand it over. Lady down the street's having a tough time. Boom, here you go. Hurricanes seem to come in bulk now and there's massive devastation in many countries. Boom, I got that. I'm in, let me help out. That's spontaneous giving. That's random giving. That stuff is great. That stuff is amazing and it changes lives, your life as well. But that's just not what we're talking about today, okay? Generous people tend to be less spontaneous. They also tend to be less emotionally driven in their giving. Generous people are far more strategic in their giving. It's not a hit and miss kind of thing. So myth number two. Generosity is determined by cash flow. I can be generous today, but, but I can't be generous tomorrow. I just got paid, so I can be generous. Ooh, now it's the end of the month. Now I can't be generous. Generous people are consistently generous. Their generosity is not determined by cash flow. This helps to separate the idea of being uh, a giver and being generous. Myth number three, it's the amount that counts. Doesn't this one drive you crazy? You've heard this a thousand times, I'm sure. Oh, that was such a generous gift. Oh, what a generous contribution. But no one knows if that's a generous gift except the person who gave it and maybe their accountant. Adding zeros to an amount does not determine whether a gift was generous. It might be a lot of money compared to what I make, but that doesn't make it generous. But one of the ways that we fool ourselves into thinking that we're generous is by looking at the amount of money. So here, think about it this. When it comes to generosity, 
The amount does not count. I mean, isn't there incredible freedom in that? With generosity, the amount does not count because giving is only one part of a person's overall finances. Here's the great news. Everyone can be generous and everyone can make a generous donation when you understand generosity. That means you can be a generous person. You can make a generous donation. You can have that as part of your resume. Here's the last one. Myth number four. Rich people are generous. How many of you have ever thought this or heard someone else say it? When I become rich, well, then I'll be generous. Now, let's clear this up right now, okay? These words are not linked. Rich people are rich. Generous people are generous. And we need to separate those two ideas. So let's say it out loud together. Rich people are rich, yeah. Generous people are generous. And sometimes it just helps to say it out loud. You can follow that, right? That seems to make sense. There is no natural correlation between how much money you have or how much money you make and being generous. They are not linked. I want you to learn to be generous. You have to learn it. It has to be taught because it's not natural. It's actually a little weird. And we're going to use a non-dictionary definition of generosity that we will use for the rest of this series, okay? Obviously, you're totally excited about coming back again and again and how you're going to be part of this over the next couple of weeks and... uh, You don't want to miss out on any of that. So here is the awkward definition in all of its awesomeness. Each word is a story in itself. So here's our definition. Generous is the premeditated. That means you've got a plan. Calculated. Generous people already know how they are going to give. Designated. Generous people have predefined where it's going to go. Emancipation. Best word of the definition right there. We're going to set it free. Generous people realize that in order to not be possessed by their possessions, they have to realize that they are not the possessor to begin with. Generous people understand that when they order their lives around generosity, they are setting it free. Let it go. Set it free. Setting free their personal financial assets. It's not just cash. It's all financial assets. So, We talk about being generous regularly with your time, treasure, and talent. And we believe that that's a spiritual discipline and that will increase your faith. This series is not about your time and it's not about your talents. We have done those already. We have talked about them and we will talk about them again. Don't you worry. But for right now, we are focusing on the treasure side. We are looking at financial generosity. This is about money management and the spiritual consequences. So this is the generosity, the premeditated, calculated, designated emancipation of personal financial assets. Now we need to slow down for a bit and realize that you are good givers. Don't don't mishear me when I'm saying this. You are very good givers. You have been very kind and very thoughtful. But but I want to help you to know what it means to live a generous life. Because here's the thing. And this is what I really, really want for you. When you free your money, emancipation, you free yourself from your money. When you order your life around freeing your money, when you become generous, you free yourself from your money. 
Now, when you first hear that, you think, why? <laughs> why would I ever want to do that? My money is always trying to free itself from me. Why would I want to go out of my way to send it on its way? It's because money controls us. And we fall into allowing ourselves to be controlled and bullied by money. And about a year ago, we did a series where, uh, right in the eye, where we talked about the little kings, the little kings that come in and they reign. And money is one of those little kings. And as a king, money is not merciful. Money is not kind. When you become generous, you learn to manage your money and your money will no longer manage you. You set the money free and, that you, and then you find that you discover freedom for yourself. It doesn't matter how much money you have, some rich people worry about money all the time. You've met middle-income people who worry about money. You've met some poor people who worry about money. You've also met people from each of these income brackets who are not stressed out about it. And they are living in joy, happily, generously using their money. Generosity is not about income. Freedom, again, it's freedom for you. You can be generous regardless of your income. Now, this week is the introduction. So we're kind of setting the stage for the next couple of weeks. Remember, it's, it's really one sermon divided up into three parts, not three separate unrelated things. So for, for an introduction, we're going to be, kind of ease you into the, the most popular, the well-known Bible quotation about money. All of you have heard this before. Most of you have said this before. But I'm betting that a large percentage of you didn't know that this came from the New Testament. And you didn't know that Jesus said it. And you don't know why it's in the Bible to begin with. And you'll think to yourself, oh man, that's just a saying. I've heard that so many times. Maybe that was something that Confucius said. He had a lot of sayings. It's been around so long and it's been said so much that maybe, maybe it's lost all of its real value. This is something that Jesus said that has been so redefined over time that we completely miss what he meant when he said it. We find this so super famous thought or this, this well-known proverb, this saying or this portable truth from Jesus. It, it's tucked in the book of Acts. Acts is just the short name of the book that is also known as the Acts of the Apostles. About halfway through the book, we meet up with a guy who's named Saul, who became a guy named Paul. Paul goes on trips all over the Mediterranean rim, planting Gentile churches. And we're going to catch up with him uh, when he is in the city of Ephesus. He's leaving Ephesus, and he's going to Jerusalem, and he knows that he's going to be arrested. He knows that his friends in Ephesus will probably never see him again. This has got to be one of the most emotional pieces of narrative in the entire New Testament. And the Apostle Paul, he is, he's here, he's, he's saying goodbye to friends, he's saying goodbye to supporters, he's saying goodbye to church leaders, and he's saying, I'm leaving. We'll never see each other again. And they're begging him, please don't go, Paul, please don't go. In this little narrative in Acts 20, he begins to rehearse what he did for them. He talks about his generous life. He's not bragging. He tells people all the time, follow me as I follow Christ. This is one part of what it looks like to follow Jesus. He's telling them, in front of you, I lived a generous life. When I'm gone, I want you to continue 
to live a generous life. And then he gives them some details. And then he throws out this statement that was so familiar to them that he didn't have to say, one day Jesus satteth the people down and began to teach them saying thusly, people, hear me now. He, he didn't talk to the crowds. There was, there was no, uh, nothing like that. He just throws out a statement that is so familiar to this first century audience that when Paul says it, they're all like, oh yeah, we, we know that. Or, oh, oh, oh yeah, we've heard that before. We've heard that so many times. But they understood what Jesus meant when Jesus said this. Whereas for us, it's become a fortune cookie saying. We, we fling it about when it's convenient. We say it when we're giving a gift or when we feel good about participating in the support of something. This thought is big enough to set the direction for this entire series. Paul is at the end of this farewell. He's about to get on a boat, and they are never going to see him again. And he's talked about a generous life. And then he says, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This isn't new. Just remember what you were taught before. And now when you, have, when you have said this, or when you have heard this, I'm, I'm guessing that just about 100% of the time, it's when you gave a thing at a moment of time and you felt good about it. Thanks for giving that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> it's my pleasure. It's better to give than to receive. This saying of Jesus does not refer to a moment in time. This was a reference to a way of living. It wasn't about a feeling that for one time that you got, one time you gave something and it just made you feel good for a while. You have given things to people before and you are well aware that people say that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you thought what I thought growing up, okay? Yeah, <laughs> but it's blessed to receive as well. It's blessed to give and it's blessed to receive but I'm not always sure that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's because when we hear these words, we think about a moment in time transaction. That's not what Jesus had in mind. This word blessed means a whole bunch of things at the same time, but it really means happy. And you sow and you reap your way into happiness. It's an outcome of a lifestyle. What Jesus was referring to and what Paul was referring to is this. If you live a generous life, not moments of giving, but if you live a generous life, if you will order your life around generosity, you will be happy. Happiness is an outcome of a lifestyle of generosity. Happy is the person whose life is ordered around giving rather than receiving. Happier is the person whose life, not a moment in time, not a random act of giving, they're all good, but this is something else. This is something more. Happy, blessed is the man or woman. Happy is the teenager or the kid whose entire life is ordered around giving rather than receiving. Now, I know that this is a topic that many people get uncomfortable around, so, so just relax, okay? I can't make you do anything. You don't even do half the stuff I ask you to do anyways. Why would today be any different? You don't need to be worried. You can walk out of here all the time. You walk out all the time saying, well, I'm not going to do that. 
You're good, all right? You're safe. Let me make this part as clear as I can. I'm not trying to get something from you. I want something for you. I'm trying to give you something that has been a, a, a huge, a valuable gift in my life. And this is the beginning of a multi-year plan to give to you. I have talked about the concept before of thrive, not survive. We here at Into One want you to thrive and not just survive in this life. And so much of that revolves around money. So many times we are told to do things, and the truth is that no one ever taught us how, but we are still evaluated regardless of our training level. I want to help you thrive in life financially, to no longer worry about money. We want to train you how to be generous. We have a class approaching. Uh, we, we haven't nailed down the date yet, but we're planning where we want to teach you how to get out of debt. At another time, we want to teach you about wills and end-of-life preparation and insurance and investing, all these things that, that sit on your head and that weigh you down. I'm worried about my money. Let's manage the money so the money doesn't manage us. And then we'll be free to live a life of generosity, putting money in its place. All of these things can bring about freedom to your financial life and joy in your entire life. We have a plan that is bigger than a moment. We want to invest in you and we want to invest in your families to move you from feeling like you're just barely surviving, holding on, and we want to move you to thriving. And this has nothing to do with get rich quick or probably get rich at all. Just learn to manage what you have. Now let's change gears. I want you to imagine, okay? We've been thinking, thinking, thinking. Now let's imagine. Imagine suddenly you have a checking account full of all the money that you have wasted for the last five years. And if you are over 40, uh, 40 or older, let's say the last 10 years, and I'm not going to define what's wasted for you, you just go ahead and define it yourself. Whatever you would call wasted in those last years. I'm not going to define it for you because I don't want you thinking of how other people have wasted. Just you. How have you wasted money in these last years? And I'm not condemning you for what you did. I'm letting you choose I'm letting you classify what is wasted money. Habits, regret-filled purchases, buyer's remorse, unnecessary professional bills, stuff that you look at and say, if I could only go back in time and undo that. Imagine that you have a checking account full of all the money that you can identify as wasteful spending, dumb investments. Oh, why didn't I listen? I bought a... All that money is in a checking account, and you can't spend it. You have to give it away. And you have to give it away in 12 months. For many of you, that's hundreds of dollars. For many of us, that's thousands of dollars. For some, maybe even tens of thousands of dollars. This money is yours to manage, but you can't keep any of it for yourself. No benefits to you. All you can do is give it away. You don't have to do it immediately. You have a year to move that money to give it all away. Wouldn't that be fun? People are working at work are trying to raise 500 bucks and you walk in, boom, here's 600. There you go, done. School's raising money for mittens and you come in with a check and they do a kind of a double take. Whoa, are you rich? I'm not rich. I just can't spend this money on me. Collecting supplies for you are home 
to help reestablish girls rescued from human trafficking. Here's a check. I bet that'll help. I bet that'll make a difference. Restore in Stovall is our care and compassionate arm. People with electrical bill problems, boom, done. I can help. Restore, helping a single mom getting her car fixed in the shop, boom, done. You wouldn't be possessive. You wouldn't be regretful. You would experience the joy of giving. You would experience the joy of living a generous life. So here's the question, okay? Why not? Just do that going forward. And that's what we're going to learn in the next couple of weeks. We're going to learn how. Because you can do this. You spent the last five or ten years making dumb purchases that fill you with regret. Waste your money. Fill your house. Clog your life. You would love to have that money back. You would love to have that money back even if you couldn't spend it on yourself. So don't do that again for another five years. Don't do that again for another 10 years. I want you to learn how to be generous so that you can live with the freedom and the joy that being generous can bring. I want you to have the stories of God providing and filling in the gaps. This is a powerful, powerful thing that cannot be described well. It must be lived. It must be experienced because you can learn. You will save more. You will spend less and you will give more. There will be more joy in your life. You will be able and open to grow in your faith with your God. If you have a hard time saving money, then you need to learn how to be generous. It's a keystone habit for generosity. You learn to be generous and you will learn to save. It works better in that order. Don't save to be generous. Be generous and learn to save. And I've been in the habit... Uh, for years now of saving, saving for things on purpose and saving for things just in case. And, and I'm doing those at the same time. Even when we had zero income, I still found a way to squirrel some money aside. I maintained a healthy, regular giving plan. And then I would listen for God to prompt me with the other stuff. I can remember one day, I was not making any real steady money. I had a teaching gig here or there every once in a while, but I heard that a family that I knew, the dad just lost his job. Four kids and that dad is out of work. And God rings my doorbell. I need to do something. So I went to one of my envelopes that I put money into. This envelope had $1,000 in it. I drive over to their house. Hey, uh, God impressed upon me that you need this money right now. And I want to give it to you to help out. And after we got past the no, 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 no's, he looks at it and he counts it. Then he counts it again. He calls his wife over. They're full of thanks. Then he tells me, thank you so much. This helps a lot. And this helps a lot in a way that you wouldn't understand. We really needed that. And we really needed to be given that to regain our focus. I never expected you guys to do anything. How can you? Are you guys going to be all right yourselves? Absolutely. Safe in the arms of my generous heavenly father. He put it in motion and he will see me through. He will always provide completely for us anything he calls us to do. The whole time, my heart rate is up and I'm excited. I can't hide the positive emotions running through me as I feel that I hear from God. I hear from God and he's prompting me and I'm scared. 
I'm scared, but assured at the same time. I feel like I'm not just doing good, but I'm doing God's will. I'm working in partnership with God in a very visible, physical, tangible, seeable way. I feel like it's the safest place to ever be. What will happen to us? I don't know. But God has already been providing for us. Just because I have it doesn't mean it's mine. Let's go give something away. And then the connection happens with them. And boom, my faith grew three sizes that day. It was and it still is a beautiful place to be. God was preparing me in advance by providing for me, by prompting me to save, by prompting me to be merciful and caring, by motivating me to go and give it. God was involved in the entire process, and that process, hear me on this part, that process, the entire process, was not filled with regret or fear or worry. It was filled with delight and wonder and awe as we together saw God at work in our lives at the same time. Of all the times I have released $1,000 in my life, none has the joy and emotion of that transaction. I'm not bragging, I'm sharing. I'm sharing and I'm daring. I'm telling a story that I hope paints God as the hero in my life. And I'm daring you to meet your God in the same way. I dare you to trust God and to be generous. I double dog dare you. Jesus says not to be generous is not so. Being generous might make you feel odd, and that, but that's a whole great kind of weird to be in the middle of. The generous people are the ones living with their eyes wide open and their eyes up, fixed on Jesus. Come and see what we're talking about. Come back again in two weeks to hear more about what it's like to be weird like us. Don't be afraid. Learn to be free. Kind Father, thank you for the gifts that you have given to us, the promises, the things that are already in motion that you are working Transform our hearts and minds. Free us from the beliefs, the fears that we aren't enough, we don't have enough, that you will not be there for us. You have promised that whatever we need, you will provide beyond all that we can ask or even imagine if we trust. And if there's a trust there, whatever you have called us to do, you will provide fully for us to do. God, it argues against what's inside me. What's inside me wants to fear. It wants to worry. And so I pray that you will continue to transform me so that I will no longer conform to the image and the likeness of this world, but that I will be conformed to the image of Christ and that you will transform me. The Holy Spirit's power within me will set me free and that I will be able to live in a way that can serve you more completely, that trusts you more deeply, and that provides a, an awareness of joy like I've never experienced before. For my friends today, God, I pray that you will set them free from the worry. You will set them free from a scarcity mindset and you will um, let them know who you are and how you work in all of our lives. It's not a financial transaction. It's a spiritual one. When we transfer out ourselves and we place you in charge, we see that things appear different, differently. God, I pray that you would speak to us today, that you might speak through us later on. Please help me to see as you see. Help my friends to see as you see so that we, so that I might be able to do as you say and it will make sense 
and then someone can see the hope in me and let me tell them about you. Lord Jesus, it is our desire to lift you up. You said that as we lift you up, you will draw people to yourself, and that is our goal, that is our focus, to draw people to you in this area right where we live, where we work, where we play, in our province, in our country, and in our nation. We commit to raising up Jesus so that others might see. Work through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.